The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Welcome, everyone. Our guest today is Doug Robinson, Executive Director of the National Association of State Chief Information Officers, otherwise known as NASIO. Welcome to Ask the CIO SLED Edition, our state and local program, Doug. Great to have you on the air again. Yes, good morning, John, and uh, good to be back with you. Well, first, tell our audience a little bit about your organization and your role at NASIO. NASIO represents the chief information officers, which is essentially the, the leadership of the uh, IT organization within the state's uh, territories and the District of Columbia. Uh, we have 54 active members in that public sector. Those are our prime members, uh, and we represent them and the other kind of IT executives and organizations within state governments who are focused on the public sector. However, we also have a large number of corporate uh, partners, corporate members, as well as nonprofits and other organizations that focus on uh, IT as part of their uh, focus, and particularly state governments. So our, our clear focus is, is state government, but we advocate for IT in the public sector broadly. And you're the executive director, and it's been how many decades now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It, it, well, it feels like many decades the last couple of months. Uh, I'm actually completing uh, my 16th year coming up here in just a couple of weeks. So uh, I've been uh, executive director for 16 years. The association uh, just completed its 50th year in 2019. We had our 50th anniversary. Haven't been there that long, uh, but uh, I've been an active member going back to my role in state government starting in probably the 1992, 93 was my first meeting. So uh, a little after uh, you were involved. Right. Yep. Well, as you recall, Doug, you and uh, our mutual friend, Alan Shark, the executive director over at the Public Technology Institute, kind of the local government NASIO, as I refer to it, mm-hmm. you joined in a webinar almost, well, exactly 90 days ago. Exactly. It was a technology forecast for 2020, what state and local government technology officials can expect. Tell us a little bit more about your state survey results, obviously before the coronavirus really took over the front pages of the world? Well, yes, we do an extensive amount of research uh, of our state CIOs and others within their organizations and within state IT and a variety of topics. One of the top items that we do each year is our state CIO top 10 priorities. So we survey all of them uh, with a forced choice ballot, electronic ballot, and we ask them to rank their individual priorities for the upcoming year. We did that in late November, issued it in mid to early December of 2019, and not surprisingly, cybersecurity and risk management, number one, that's the seventh consecutive year, digital government, cloud services, consolidation, optimization, customer relationship management, kind of the top five right there. All of them have been on the list for some time. They just move move positions. Uh, we, we added a new one to the top 10, number 10, innovation and transformation. Uh, through technology. What I think what's interesting is obviously that that's kind of our roadmap for what we're going to work on and what we're going to focus on for the upcoming year. Uh, cybersecurity has been a kind of a preeminent topic for I said, for a number of years. And if you kind of look at it today, clearly COVID-19 uh, preparedness, response, recovery has superseded all of those, but they all have uh, elements. I mean, they're, they're still very valid today in terms of cybersecurity is a key part of the COVID-19 response 
portfolio, digital government. We've seen obviously an increase in pressures on digital government, the use of cloud services, those states that, that made large investments or at least had investments in cloud platforms have been able to scale and basically move a little bit more quickly and be a little more nimble. Uh, legacy modernization, clearly we've seen challenges. The opportunities of digital government has been highlighted and illuminated, but I think also uh, what's been exposed is uh, the lack of investment in modernizing legacy platforms and, and they obviously have not been able to sustain capabilities and scale and be available to citizens. And so there's been a lot of scrambling to get those things done. Uh, on the flip side, we've seen a lot of innovation and emerging technologies that were uh, slowly being adopted uh, accelerate uh, within state government. So that's, uh, again, the positive aspect of that is I think uh, the reality, I think, of what NASIO has talked about for a number of years is the critical role that technology plays and as part of the fabric of government. It's not, it's not a back office function. The CIOs are the IT leaders within the state and uh, they have, as we have advocated for understanding of IT as being critical to the transformation of state government. And that's clearly been highlighted, uh, you know, in the last three months. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, some of the interesting things that I noticed in the, uh, in the survey, when I was talking about uh, one of the questions was, how does your organization plan to deliver or yeah. obtain services over the next three years? And one of the first category was data centers. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to see where they're uh, in the categories of being in introduced, maintained, expanded, or downsized. Uh, there was zero to be introduced and 35% maintained. Seven, only 17 would expand, but almost half, 48% were downsizing their data center. And that's obviously the cloud, I think, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's the cloud. It's a, it's a number of things, John, but clearly that's part of it is uh, the, the need, right? The, the, the need for those uh, large data centers and any expansion is clearly over the last several years has been devolving. We have states that have already made decisions to move to, uh, managed services for their mainframe and about almost a dozen states now that have actually outsourced and gone to mainframe as a service. So we have states where they no longer have a physical presence. Their mainframe yeah. isn't in the data center. It's actually uh, for a number of states, uh, for almost all of them, it's actually in another state. They've decided to essentially not abandon their mainframe cycles or services, but to turn it over as an outsourced service. Uh, and have it have those applications run on on a kind of a mainframe as a service. So that's kind of in the as the service platforms. If you remember from those models, we've been, and we've been asking this same question for ten years, mm -hmm. uh, and it's interesting to see how where we've gone from kind of as a service, where several years ago we were at fifty percent introducing uh, this last survey, ninety two percent said they plan to expand as a service, meaning software as a service, platform as a service, they plan to expand that over the next three years. So, and that's mm -hmm. not surprising because we're seeing the states make that decision to move uh, more of a CIO as broker model, which is again, something we're describing as the future evolution of the CIO role. And that's again, been clearly highlighted during the last three months as we've seen many CIOs realize that uh, they had to partner with their, their private sector suppliers and and their and their integrators and their vendors because they had no choice they were had to move very very quickly and they had they were doing emergency procurements they had to scale up dramatically 
Uh, and there's lots of examples of states uh, moving in that direction where they were probably a little more hesitant uh, six months ago to do that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting also to me, uh, looking back when I first got into state service in Massachusetts and then California in the 90s, we were really gung-ho on uh, initiatives to outsource. Right. And the resistance was very, very, very strong. In fact, it turns out over that decade, there were probably only a handful of states that uh, uh, significantly outsourced their data centers. But all of a sudden now in the, uh, you know, in the last few years, what outsourcing couldn't do for data centers, it's certainly the cloud has certainly been the catalyst to see that finally occur. It's ironic. Yes, I think if you look at our kind of major forces of change, uh, cloud is certainly at the at the top of the list. Cloud services, cloud platforms, whether it's you know on prem and again moving more predominantly to third party off premise cloud services. You look at where the states are with email and office productivity. You know where they are with uh, for storage, disaster recovery, and business continuity. A key part of of this recovery has been states that had cloud services. Uh, and I think that's clearly the, the major force of change, but you also have these evolving business models and sourcing changes where you have now a mix, a hybrid of, of what this, it, you know, we used to use the word uh, owner operator, right? That was the as yeah. you know, predominant model for four decades as the states owned and operated the infrastructure. Uh, and then gradually starting back in kind of the late nineties, they began to uh, outsource things like their telecommunications and their data it's now evolved where you have states like Georgia and others where they're into multi-sourcing initiative, MSI models with towers, uh, Virginia, others where essentially most of their infrastructure, if not all, is outsourced and run under this multi-sourcing initiative with multiple players uh, providing their expertise, their capabilities and disciplines within those stacks and towers to the state. And again, again, that, that's not going to be every state. Every state is, is going to handle those things differently. Sure no doubt that uh, they're relying more and more on uh, their private sector partners uh, to deliver the services that are essential to citizens. Doug, uh, let me interrupt you there. We're going to take a short break now. Our guest is Doug Robinson, the executive director of NASIO. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. A heart that's enlarged because of disease doesn't pump blood well. Current treatments include drugs and ventricular assist devices that patients need indefinitely. John Crisione, a bioengineer at Texas A&M University, is focused instead on rehabilitating the heart. I want to have the heart grow and remodel, basically shrink back down in size and become much more functional. He's created a device that would be inserted through a small hole in the chest. It opens to wrap around the lower half of the heart like a cap and then precisely squeeze to assist its pumping. We push on the heart at the same time the heart is trying to eject blood. And then over time, it looks like that motion will make the heart just start getting smaller. It'll recover. Chrisione says since it never contacts circulating blood, the device is unlikely to cause infections or clots and could be removed for good after about three months. But clinical trials are still years away. With the National Academy of Engineering, Randy Atkins, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Hi, this is Senior Correspondent Mike Causey. In Washington, we follow the money, especially since it's yours every week on your turn with Mike Causey. Whether it's your pay raise, a major change to your retirement package, or the chances of rifts or buyouts, we're on it because we know how hard you work and what it means to you. 
Give us a listen Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. on Federal News Network or subscribe to your turn on iTunes or Podcast One. When we need help, we turn to government. When government needs help, they turn to Federal News Network. For news on the federal pay raise. To learn how other agencies handle IT modernization. To see how Congress funds my agency. For changes to my TRICARE benefits. Federal News Network, helping feds meet their mission. Welcome back to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn, and my guest today is Doug Robinson, the Executive Director of the National Association of State Chief Information Officers, NACIO. Doug, before the break, we were talking about the evolution from over the last, oh, I guess, really 30 years, just about, of uh, data center management, uh, outsourcing, and, of course, the uh, revolution that the cloud has brought to uh, state government. And as you say, uh, the, the role of the CIO has changed dramatically over the course of that time. One of the things uh, in your survey that also jumped out at me was the whole aspect of uh, staffing. I think that uh, basically the staffing was looking at expanding, actually. I think over a quarter of, uh, of states said they looked to expand their staff, and only 7% said they would downsize. So that's an interesting perspective, isn't it? Uh, it is. And actually, those numbers went up a little bit in 2019. They were much lower in 18. And I think we're not really sure. We didn't go back and, and kind of interrogate and find out what happened there. But I think there may be some concerns about perhaps uh, some of the sourcing decisions they made. But we've seen that relatively flat in terms of, of growth. And, and, and you because you, you and I, but we have the long term perspective. You kind of go back 10 years and, you, and we ask, look at the CIOs and say, you know, what are your, how are you going to deliver your services for the next three years? But the two things that were predominant is that well, we're going to expand our data center, right? Our data center is going to be larger because we're consolidating. And we're also going to expand our staff because we're going to hire more IT staff. Well, both of those things are the inverse today, right? Because mm-hmm. virtualization and everything else, the technology advancements have really uh, obviated the need. The data center's footprints are getting much, much smaller. Uh, even with the consolidation going on where CIOs are bringing more and more agencies where they have highly unified environments where all of the agency technology stack is actually running under the CIO purview in the data center, they still need smaller data centers. And they actually uh, have kind of constrained and constricted their uh, their IT staff. Uh, state government hiring across the board has been relatively flat for the last five years. Uh, hmm. And so... That didn't kind of didn't really surprise us, but we're going to kind of see some uh, maybe some hiccups here in in the next couple of years with uh, the COVID nineteen response. Uh, obviously, many states have added added folks to the mix in the last uh, few weeks. They're predominantly outside contractors and help desk support, uh, unemployment insurance call centers. Uh, thousands of folks have been added to call centers, uh, but they're predominantly working from home, and they are not uh, state employees. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, one of the other things that jumped out on me was the emerging technology issue, and I think it was 60 to 65% of CIOs identified emerging technologies and particularly artificial intelligence as the top emerging technology in their purview. That, that's a big change, isn't it? It is. Uh, in just a matter of a couple of years, it really flipped. Uh, IoT 
particularly was number one for several years because I think it was a, it was essentially an, a sensor based and it was already being adopted. It was being deployed within across the states in a variety of lines of business, transportation, environmental, public safety, you know, go on. And so that that was kind of leading the pack. But I think the business and value proposition of of that whole stack of you know AI and we say we put AI as you know really augmented intelligence, so it included things like robotic process automation and machine learning and and bots. And so uh, the bots for robotic process automation have been deployed in a number of states, but we saw in our follow-up survey of just focused on AI uh, that it was a relatively small number, uh, that 13, 14% that were in pilot and proof of concept, only a couple that said they had broad uh, expansion of, of AI. But now we're seeing, in the, again, in the last three months, uh, a number of states that have particularly deployed chatbots and AI-supported uh, chatbots to deal with the crush of, of citizen services. And again, predominantly been in the unemployment insurance. There's a, probably more than a dozen states today that have multiple bots, uh, chatbots that are running. I heard the other day that the uh, Georgia uh, chatbot at the Department of Labor had already responded to over a million queries. Wow. They're building that. Texas has got one, South Carolina, many states. Uh, Missouri started out really early, Washington State, Ohio. Again, we, we see this as growing. We, we've had discussions about that. So I think that's part of that innovation uh, curve is that they probably would not have been as quick to deploy those, but uh, it, it was on a crisis situation and they partner up with their, again, their corporate technology solution providers and we were able to put these things out in the field relatively quickly because they had to do something to be able to respond to demands. Probably the, the discussion was, well, we're going to be in proof of concept in 2020 and we're going to look across the board for some of the things we saw that AI was really, they were looking at more of the advanced analytics and things like cybersecurity and technology infrastructure management. Uh, but I think that's going to flip and, and look at more of the citizen facing services today, particularly with mm -hmm. something you know, relatively low end like chatbots, but it gets the job done for the states. Right. You know, it's interesting. You reminded me, I spoke with uh, our friend Sean Riley, the chief yeah. information officer in Bismarck for North Dakota. Uh, and of course, this was three or four months ago. And he was telling me, as you recall, I think the unemployment rate in North Dakota was 1%, which is, you know, he said, you know, he looks at all his colleagues saying they're having trouble hiring people. I mean, he is, he knows he's never going to be able to hire people, at least in the, the world three months ago. And they were, he and his governor were coming out with a major uh, reorganization plan to jump full force into robotic process automation because they just couldn't find the, the, the human resources to fulfill those roles. They had to go to artificial intelligence. And I think that's going to come back when things settle down and get back to normal. Yes. And I, and I think the, the question uh, and the major debate when you look at uh, that going back to normal phrase is I think many of the state leaders, the state CIOs believe that uh, we are obviously going to be facing the new normal, which is perhaps a different uh, cultural and organizational response uh, to how uh, states are going to do this in, in the future. You, you have in some cases 90% of your state workforce remotely working from home right now, and they seem to be successful in a lot of these endeavors. because uh, it, It's going to change things, I think, in the future when you think about the impact of that as they begin to assess the that kind of recovery mode. Yeah. 
I think so. Those are the discussions that are already taking place in mm -hmm. terms of now the technology is in place. Uh, and yeah, we've seen these things are, are going to be done during a, uh, a crisis and, and, and scaling up, you know, 10 and 20 X. Mm -hmm. They don't want to have to do that again. Uh, but right. certainly once they get that stable, that'll be interesting discussions that, uh, that we will have in the next few months. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know we're all lamenting the fact that we had to cancel the spring mid year conference of NASIO that we were all looking forward to. But you've come up with a with a, a good stopgap and an alternative. Why don't you tell us about the webinar that you're having? I guess it would be next week, right? Right. Next week, we are uh, delivering basically a series of webcasts. We can't replicate kind of a live stream of the conference uh, because the, obviously the, the huge value of that for our members. Uh, and I think last year we had a little over 650 uh, folks at our mid-year conference last year in, uh, in May is, is the networking and the collaboration and just the collegial nature, as you know, of the organization has, has been kind of its, uh, its hallmark for many, many years. Uh, so, but we knew we had content. We'd already developed a, a lot of it. Uh, and we, we try to pivot. We flip pretty quickly uh, and, and talk to the executive committee, the leadership, the association about delivering content. So we're going to do uh, a series of uh, mid-year webcasts starting on Monday. And three of those are going to be focused on the COVID-19, kind of the, the CIO experience uh, with, with a set of panelists from uh, from a number of states. So a diverse set of states and CIOs and perspectives on, on what they've done. Uh, cybersecurity uh, is a key part of that, particularly with local governments. We've got a session on that, which is the one session that isn't really COVID-19, we, we, we know we have to give people a respite a little bit, uh, mm -hmm. so we're going to focus on some other topics. I think one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about on Tuesday is the fact that what I, what I just mentioned is that it's not business as usual, and so there's a lot of particularly process innovations and, and technology innovations that have been brought to bear. So what are, what are states doing, bringing in you know, different stacks or redesigning very, very quickly their business process. And then the final panel Tuesday afternoon, uh, that's that webcast is really focused on the big return. So what does life and work look like post COVID-19 when we get into that? And again, that's going to be very different depending on what state you're in, but also, you know, what are, what are the implications? And of course, what we're hearing as we do weekly calls with our leadership, uh, all states calls with CIOs and chief security officers and CTOs and others is that they see, the return being much more difficult than the push out to remote work. Uh, and so they, they see that could be very long. Uh, there could be, there's still, I think, lots of uncertainty about how to bring back, you know, large technology. We, we expect the technology organization and the IT staff complements to be some of the first state government folks back in a physical space, but, is that really feasible right now? And how would they do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Doug, we're going to have to conclude our program. I want to thank our guest, Doug Robinson, Executive Director of NACIO. Doug, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Good luck with your webinar next week. I can't wait. Thank you, John, and enjoyed the conversation. There's a lot going on, that's for sure. Yes, there is. And thank all of you for listening. Content from the state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly, and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us again each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn.
You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.